You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. This is a podcast from comedianscomedian.com. This is the Comedian's Comedian Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith and I'm back after the little break we've had. I'm back from Australia. I'm back from the Secret Welsh Festival uh, and I am pushing hard for the completion of the tour. So not only can you come and see Joe Brand uh, doing a live Comedian's Comedian Podcast interview at the Soho Theatre on the 5th of June, you can also see my own show compared to what in its... What's the, what's the phrase? Swan song? That's not quite right. Uh, torch song? No, not really. Last few shows? There must be a word for that, but, uh, but there it is. Come and see the last few shows. It's, uh, the very final week of May going into June, uh, and that's the, from the 30th, 30th and 31st of May, 1st, 2nd and 3rd of June. I am assured that, uh, half the room, well, half the room is sold out on each night, which I am assured is very positive. But, you know, positivity is one thing. Let's make it an unshakable certainty, shall we? Right, guys? Uh, come along. You can get your tickets from SohoTheatre.com. Search for Goldsmith. You'll find both the uh, the podcast and my own show. And for both of those, you can use the discount code VERA, V-E-R-A, all capital letters, to get your listener discount. Let's fill this show. We sold out last time. We weren't even in the brochure, so we've gone to a bigger room in Soho. Uh, I made much of this at the time. A bigger room, more dates. Please don't leave Goldsmith with egg on his face. Uh, more stuff to tell you about uh, all the things I've been up to and I'm going to be up to after this episode recorded live at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival with a sketch group who are absolutely dazzling. Uh, there are six of them, but you only ever see three. That's got to grab your attention immediately, right? Um, I was not so aware of these guys before I caught them uh, in Australia and uh, they've been to Edinburgh a few times and they're one of those people I'd always heard that I should go and see. Uh, they are coming back to Edinburgh again, so I will be thrilled to send you to their shows in drugs if you're heading up that way. I, I mean, I, they really are something else. Have a look at their... Pause this now, research them thoroughly online, and then come back to the episode. Or just uh, sit back and fill your boots with one of the only serious interviews that these guys ever do. This is Auntie Donna. Please welcome to the stage with enormous applause, Auntie Donna! Thank you so much. Thank you for joining me. Um, what was that? What an eerie noise in the background. Thanks for joining me, uh, Mark, Zach, and Broden. And I, sh- I should have said welcome to the stage half of Auntie Donna, because the first exciting thing I learned about you is that you are the tip of the iceberg, right? Yeah, yes. mm. yeah. very much so. You're the public face of a six-person, six-man... Yes. Yeah. 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 Sorry. Okay. Sorry. Uh, a six-man sketch outfit. I have never heard of such a thing. Tell me about what it means to be a, a six-person unit with a three-person public face. What are the other roles that are involved? 
Uh, there's um, Sam Lingham who uh, writes writes with us and directs our live shows. Uh, then there's then who uh, do you want to introduce uh, the uh, next yeah, person? Uh, we'll share it around. Um, <laughs> really looks like you've forgotten. The <laughs> uh, then there's uh, Tom Armstrong who does all of our music. Uh, he did our sound design early on, but all of our music across both live and filmed stuff. And Max Miller is the film director. So. Uh, the five of us went to the same university, which was at Ballarat, about an hour and a half out of Melbourne, and uh, studied drama. And Max was the one who was from somewhere else. He uh, went to high school with myself and Tom, who makes all our music. And while we were doing drama school, he went off and did film. Our whole thing when we started was we wanted to be a group of people. We didn't know if we wanted to do comedy or theatre, but we wanted to be a group of people who got the best people to do what they were good at. So we liked performing, we wanted to perform, uh, one of us wanted to write, so he wrote, one of us liked to music, and Max wants to be a film director and is now a, a really successful filmmaker, so he, we locked him down while he was still small. <laughs> it, was, it was a real thing when we were at drama school that I never could understand that someone knew that it took three years to study how to act... Um, knew that it took three years to study that, yet they thought they could do their own posters. It was just this general thing yes. of like, yeah. you, you know how much work it takes to get good at your thing, yet you think you can do other things without that work. And I think we just always wanted to approach every aspect of what we do with the best people to do it. So in terms of like, is this how everyone should be doing Performance, because I, I when I when I realised like within the comedy world, that's the, you're the first people I've heard of who are doing that. I know there's, I mean, we're talking about Gaines Family Gift Shop, a yeah, sketch group yeah, in the UK. Yeah. Kiri mm. Pritchard McLean does does their direction, and she doesn't appear on stage. But to have, I mean, you've got an enormous amount of stuff online, really good quality stuff, which has clearly had the the guiding hand of an editor who gets you, who then I mm. discover, oh, they are you. That's, mm. Which, was, which was a learning process. Like that, you know, like it was, uh, like our very, very first videos, our very early ones are a mess. Like yeah. they're all over the place. So we all very much went through that learning curve together. Uh, Max has always been, he's pretty quiet, but he's a yeah. funny guy. We developed a shorthand as like a group of people. Yeah, because yeah. there's, there's been times when um, Max hasn't been the first person to edit some of our sketches and we all feel it and have just gone, chuck it out and start again. Yeah. Like, because he just, he just understands what we do now. Like, it's gotten to a point where we can tell when he's not the one who's, who's done it, you okay. know, done the assembly cut. Because sometimes there's a lot for him to do, so passes so he, it on to other he people. Passes it out and you're like, but we don't let him do that. We don't let him do it. It's like Broden outsourcing his role in the show. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah Which we're looking into. We are looking into. So, so just to go nuts and bolts, wh- what is what is the show? I saw your show here, Big Boys, uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, for the benefit of people listening to this who aren't aware of what you do, uh, sum it up in that way that people hate being asked to do. <laughs> um, it, it's it's very loud. That's the thing people often say. We try to capture the energy <laughs> in our live shows. It's very loud. Um, whether it's a good review or bad review, we get that. We we try to capture sort of the energy almost of a rock concert, of a music show in the show. We try to get a really collective thing. It's very silly. Um, Our our mantra has always been from the start in whatever we do, because we came from theatre, our mantra has always been whatever's funniest. So we really go for that. We always just go for the funniest joke, the funniest thing. Every line we try to be funny. So it's a bit of an assault on the senses, I would say, is... One yeah. way to describe it. <laughs> just, just, just when we, we, 
we spent a year kind of just talking before we formed Auntie Donna. Like like a good year meeting up every every couple of every couple of months, just going if if we were going to do a sketch group with quite aware that we were three at the time four white men and would be the face of it it's like we don't just want to bring another like more of the same into it there has to be a reason there has to be a purpose for us to come in and do it and we were like what isn't happening right now like what isn't something that's been around for a very long time and we just thought like big silly stupid loud comedy hadn't been like a thing in this country or in sketch in particular here for a long time and that was sort of our, our first kind of step into doing what has become the live, show, like the live shows now. Yeah. So the show that I saw the other night, at the very beginning of it, I think probably the moment when I mean, you walk in, the first thing we're as an audience we're confronted with is you've got a live DJ on stage. It, not just a live DJ, but in a tower behind you. <laughs> and then the first bit, at the moment at which I... Very full of ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> it immediately sets the agenda. It's like, oh, this isn't like anything I've seen, you know. Yeah. And then your opening uh, routine, not to spoil the beginning of the show, That's but I'm right. sure you know. Um, you're, I'm sure I don't care. Um, <laughs> but uh, the the opening routine is the three of you faced at the back, kind of boy band style. You play with those aesthetics. There's the stuff online of you in the golden suits. You know, you're clearly mm. comfortable with that idea of like there's the three guys. You know, boy, you're facing away. The music kicks in, and then you fuck up the cue as to when you come in. And I'm like, oh, that's the first game. They don't know when to start. Yeah. And I just fell in love with it from that point. I was oh, like, oh, you. great. I haven't seen this before. Mm. I haven't seen this version of it before. I would say in the UK, or the, the two things that I, that I have seen that it reminded me a little bit of, there's a, a musical comedy act called The Midnight Beast. You do a lot of stuff online. And it reminded me of The Lonely Island as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you clearly have... Like you're a sketch show, but one of my one of the things that's most exciting about you and makes your stuff uh, very shareable in that kind of hideous but important online way is that you, like you say, you go for the funniest thing. And I, I wonder if what you're referring to there is that the the form is completely subservient to the joke. So mm. I'm thinking of there's one of your one of your online uh, uh, sketches that I saw, which was um, what do you think of this? Yeah. So right. that sketch, which I would urge anyone listening to this to watch, starts off with the two of you in an office. To, with so Zach fucking and dumb. It's so it. fucking dumb. I love it. But it and it, you, I'm watching it and I'm thinking, what is this? What is the, What am I watching? Because it's two guys in a in a in an office, and then it's two guys in an office going, "What do you think of this?" to camera, and then it cuts to one of you doing a really absurd wonky dance. And then it becomes about one-upmanship, and then it becomes about a dead bird, and then it becomes about trying to save Broden from it and not involve him. Then there's a sort of a status challenge over whose dance is the weirdest. <laughs> yeah. And then there's a woman walking in with these ludicrous joke props, which you don't even refer to. She's walking with two mugs, which both have like a ton of foam on either of them. And I just, I, like, I couldn't describe, do you know what I mean? What the fuck is that? Yeah. And, <laughs> I'm interested in the difference between the video editing relationship yeah. that you have and the, the physical editing relationship that you have, that you yeah. have on stage because everything is up for grabs. Yeah, well... That was the longest question, I think. No, but no, <laughs> a, a great question. We, we started doing live shows. The first show we ever did was just around the corner from here for the first for comedy festival six years ago. And the, the early, the early uh, challenge for us was always going, this weird idea that I have that doesn't fully make sense how do I translate that so that a 50 year old person enjoys it and a 20 year old person enjoys it and everyone with different sense of humour can enjoy it 
And then as we got on further, we found that when we put things on YouTube, there was people who got that one little joke in Spain and New York and London enjoying it. So it almost tipped it on its head is we can be as weird as we want um, and people will appreciate that more than because they understand that that really since that joke like what do you think of this might not we tried to do that in the show the live show the year before and we could never make it work because it was so bizarre and strange literally is just saying what do you think of this offering a little dance and then the person saying whether they like it or not um but then online that something about when it's when a video's got half a million views and someone watches it and then checks that other people like it gives people trust that they can enjoy it too it's strange like oh mostly likes oh yeah this is funny yeah and can buy in a little bit more it's, it's in- also very personal like yeah. it's like when they're just watching it on their own in in on a laptop there's no judgment there's no mm. like they can giggle at it and they can laugh as hard as they want or as soft as they want enjoy it any way they want they're not in a room full of people where you yes. know they if they if you've got a loud obnoxious laugh you might be judged for it or you know whatever yeah, it's I such a one of the tasks of creating a good room for comedy is to keep the audience in darkness and feeling part of a whole yeah. thing with a low ceiling mm. so the sound yeah. reflects back yeah. so they're convinced and that frees you even from that it's like a whole other level mm. yeah it's yeah. why big rooms are just always better because that the uh, there's more more confidence for people like you know like if you're in a small room with 10 people you're scared to laugh i don't know for some reason it's just a thing that happens you become scared to laugh but when you're in a 400 seater you know there's like one person in this pocket of 50 that'll laugh and then that'll spread over to this (laughs) that pocket and that pocket you know it just works so just in terms of the timeline of, of you guys creating stuff were you making video content as soon as you were making live content no six months six months later so so we started out um started out as a live group and then we sort of thought we had done videos to promote the live show to to get a venue but it was about five or six months later that we... Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I had a, a friend of a, of a friend who was doing a community television show on the uh, soon-to-be-defunct um, Channel 31, uh, which is just like a public... That is a great tagline for a channel. Yeah, I know. It's a real shame. It's a real shame. It's, it's an awesome, awesome network that uh, a lot of comedians have gotten their start on, including us, in terms of our film stuff. And um, there was no funding or anything, but there was a chance for us to make stuff. We just had no... Like, what? how old were we when we started? We were like 20... Yeah. In like 22, 20, 23. 20, and we just had zero fucking idea about the internet. We didn't watch YouTube. We yeah. weren't part of that generation. We didn't grow up, you know... We, we had no idea that YouTube celebrities existed, right? And that that was a thing. Um, and so we made it for community television because we wanted to just try our hand at film stuff. And a lot of the first web series that we did, Auntie Donna's Rumpus Room, is the sketches from our first live show translated to film pretty poorly and or like pretty directly as well. You know, like, like we've got some content and we yeah. don't want it to <laughs> yeah, yeah. die at the end of the festival season. Yeah, you know, yeah. like um, that kind of thing. And we just it was just an experiment. We we're just like we'll just see if we can do it and if it works and then part of the agreement was you can put it on YouTube afterwards and and we didn't know what the fuck that was or what that meant and we were like okay so we did and then one night we went to bed and woke up and one of our videos had 135,000 hits which video was that what was the first runaway success it was uh, Found Out I'm Gay which is a monologue that I do about um, someone driving past and, and yelling something out at me and then it goes into a ridiculous place Okay, yeah. and did you get a sense of why that one in particular had caught 
I think it was that, that it, it was absurd, it escalated like a lot of what we do, but I think it was because it was a very recognisable thing. A lot of people have had people yell out at them from cars, that's an experience a lot of people have, and I think people recognised that and then they were interested in where we took it. And so did you, I mean, talk to me about that moment of waking up and going, oh, hang on, <laughs> we, we, th- this is successful. Mm. We didn't know what had happened or how. How was the yeah, most how important was the big thing. thing. Yeah. How can this be replicated immediately for profit? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it was really... <laughs> this is really embarrassing, right? But we, we saw that and then we figured out... I think Sam figured out um, that it was through... Reddit and we were like, "What is Reddit?" Right? <laughs> we had like we were so ignorant to to what anything on the internet was. We found out that it was through Reddit. So I started doing a bit of research and looking at it. And then what I did was the next week at like midnight one night when I couldn't sleep, I got one of our videos and I posted it to the video subreddit on on Reddit just to see what would happen. Right? Went to sleep, woke up, and it had seventy thousand hits. And I was like, "I've cracked the internet." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I've fucking figured it out. We've, this is it. We've once struck a week, internet. I was like, once a week, that's it. I'm going on here. I'm posting our videos, and we're going to be a fucking success. And then since then, I've never had anything go successful on because <laughs> there's certain algorithms. Yeah, don't they ban you? Like after like three? Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you post too much shit from the same channel, they know. Like they're aware of if you're trying to do that. And because I was a first time poster. Certain algorithms like pushed, bumped my post up, and like yep. there were all these things happening that I just had zero idea of at the time. But at the time, I was like, I figured it out. This is the secret, and everyone else is an idiot. Yeah. Did you did you run around telling all of your mates in comedy, hey, this is what we need to do, or did you go, ah, I found the secret? <laughs> well, we just were a bit scared. We didn't know. Like, we didn't know what it was. Yeah, it, we were really dim-witted. We really like. We had this all of a sudden. We're going out flyering in friggin' Swanston Street asking people to please come to our show. And then meanwhile, we're cracking like 200,000 views on all these videos we're doing. Oh, that's interesting. But how are we going to sell 12 tickets tonight? <laughs> like, yeah. like literally for three years, we'll keep doing things now and then. It was literally till our first year in Edinburgh when we really, like, really thought, hang on. These can be both an expression of what we do at the same time. And it can, we can be a group that doesn't just exist on you know, on stage or on YouTube, we can be a group that, you know, goes yeah, on all it platforms. Was, we've, we've, been, we've been very lucky in the sense that um, the reason we kept, the, genuinely the reason we kind of kept doing Auntie Donna in the form that it is today was because when it was in this form for the first show that we did, and we never intended it to always just be four guys or three guys doing sketch, we, we didn't know what, uh, post Pantsuits, post our first show six years ago, we had zero plans for what Auntie Donna was going to be or what we were going to do. Literally nothing. Um, we're like, we'll just get through this season. Uh, but then we got nominated for the Golden Gibbo and then like certain like TV production started talk- TV production companies started talking to us and we were at the, t- at the time completely yeah. ignorant being like, we're going to have a show. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be on Channel 7 and we just had no idea how it worked. But because we got that nomination, because we got that little pat on the back, all of us just went... Oh, this might be a thing, and mm. we just and we yeah. just gave it. Uh, we just went. Let's just give it a hundred percent. Let's forget about everything else and just try and make Auntie Donna a thing because we had that little pat on the back. Same thing happened with YouTube. We put <laughs> some stupid videos online. It got this immediate response, and we were like, "Well, let's just keep doing it until people stop giving a shit." And and what's the what's the kind of synergy between you as a group when something like that comes along? Is it one of you goes, guys? We should we should be doing this. And the others immediately go, yeah, we should. 
Like you seem like you know what I mean. What what are the kind of the internal dynamics of all six of you mm. in terms of who makes the decisions, who inspires the decisions? Do people do you guys back each other up? Is there someone going? No, I'm not sure about this. Well, how, how can I break you up? Is what I'm asking. <laughs> I, I promised your agent I'd try. <laughs> Threaten, um, threatened her. The thing, I mean, the thing is, we've all got partners, so that the, every decision is a slow and lengthy decision because it's actually 12 people, you know, in that sense of, you know, when, when you're, a, if you're a single stand-up comedian and you go, I'm going to have a crack at LA, you just move to LA, you just move to London. Whereas with us, if it's, if it's about moving somewhere, if it's about trying to crack a particular market, that's 12 people have to agree to that, you know, all six of us plus all six of our partners. So it's just slowly watched, we make decisions. I watched 12 Angry Men last night. <laughs> this but it's that whole thing of one person. It's uh, the, By numbers, everything is going to be in, inherently thought through. No, no idea is just, let's try that. It's usually like, hey, we want to do this thing. And someone goes, well, we need, we need money for that. And it's like, yeah, but we'll need to ride it really well. And like, so every, we're like a big double-decker bus that it takes a, Hard. It's hard yeah. to turn corners. There's a, there's, and get a, it. there's a lot of just silence looking at a calendar. Just stressing out. It's a, like we're talk, going back to something you said at the start. Is it a good idea to work as a group? Is that the way to do it? Creatively, I'd say absolutely. You have you just you just want people around you who give a shit mm. and want to put as much time and effort into something as possible. Financially, awful decision. Oh, yeah. But um, but like creatively, I, I, yeah. yeah, wrapped with. So, am yeah. I right in thinking that you've only recently become full time, like giving yeah. up your day jobs because you need to split the money evenly six yeah. ways? Six it's, ways. Yeah, we do the Radiohead thing. What's where that? Everyone just gets paid the same. Everyone just gets paid the same, no matter what. Everyone that gets was the paid question the on the lips of all the comedians I had lunch with the other. You've got to fucking ask them. What? How do they? <laughs> how do they get this much? Yeah. Oh, we, and it's mixed up. We recently started a Patreon, and and the Patreon money gets divided up depending on uh, how much work hours you put in. Um, uh, and our film, so our filmmaker doesn't take a cut of the Patreon. It's not a lot, but it has been that. Uh, extra little bit that allowed us to kind of quit our jobs, which has been sweet. Mm. And that's yeah. when did that happen? When did you? What were you? It, it, it was a very gradual process. I still technically work at the cinema. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> I, have, I have to do a shift at the call center that I worked at by April twenty fourth, or I'm off the books. <laughs> but I don't think I'm going to get there. So, but I wanted to stay there and be like making television shows and still be dropping <laughs> it every three months to do a shift. I got to get dream. a TV show. I had first, that dream mate. of being out back <laughs> making popcorn and still. But no, it, 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 it's a very it's that. It's a very scary thing to take that step, I suppose. And again, when there's six people, it's yeah. you need to yeah. you need to trust that the other five are taking that step as well. And that's where we're very lucky. Faith, yeah, yeah. That we we had a fourth performer who left quite early because we had different things. But the, when we the the ones who were left, we had to really say. Do we want to do this properly? And we said, that means we're going to have to cut back on doing part-time jobs. We're going to have to do a few full days a week where we really are real poor and, you know, everyone thinks you're in, you look, you, you have no idea what you're doing. We just have to really put big hours in like we work at a bank or something. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so it's got to that point now where we don't have to do that cafe job the other two days of the week and stuff. So this is Auntie Donna. Huge amounts of fun to hang out with these uh, very exciting people, very creative people, and as you can hear, very thoughtful. Really interesting to hear about the, the juggernaut that is a six-person sketch group, uh, all of them in long-term relationships, and the, the steering required to, to make that work actually 
taking time to make decisions. You don't hear that very much anymore. So listen, I've got a listener email for you. I've got a couple of things to, to quickly advertise and then uh, my, own, my own stuff. Does that count as it's self-promotion, isn't it, rather than advertising? You all know, of course, Joe Brand is coming along for the final live ComCom uh, at Soho Theatre. Not the final ever, but the final one of this run. That's the 5th of June. Tickets from SohoTheatre.com. I had such a fantastic time at the Secret Welsh Festival recently. I know a lot of you came along and saw uh, either the work in progress, which bloody won best show at Leicester, and now it's starting to feel like it deserved it. Um, that's, uh, the, some of you came along to that, which I really appreciate. And some of you came to see Compared to What. I've had some lovely feedback on that. And yes, it's going into the final few shows. Uh, uh, what are we doing this week? By the time you've heard this, we'll have done Northampton, sold brilliantly. Uh, Cambridge sold out. Uh, Sheffield sold out as well. And uh, uh, Hemel Hempstead, notably not sold out. That one is coming up soon, uh, I believe on the 26th, I want to say, of May. Come, It could be the 27th. Why don't you Google it? If you're anywhere near the Hemel area, it's not embarrassing at the moment, but I, I seem to remember having a fairly cracking show there last time, so it would be good if we could repeat that success. Um, and if you're in Cardiff, uh, tickets have started to move for the, uh, the show at Chapter Arts uh, in Cardiff. I'm really looking forward to that one. I've not done Chapter before, and it's somewhere I've seen a lot of shows, and I know Go Faster Strike record a lot of their shows there, so it, uh, it has a real place in the comedy firmament. So come along and check those out, comedianscomedian.com forward slash tour for all your information. I'm, I'm going to have to rattle through this because I'm actually backstage before my Northampton gig just now, and um, there is enough time for me to briefly uh, talk to you, but I sort of should also be pacing around the room uh, rehearsing. Well, not rehearsing, but you know what I mean, just going, oh, you know that mistake you always make? Don't make that. That kind of thing. So, um, we'll get back to Auntie Donna in just a second. I was really touched by this listener email. I've had some brilliant emails recently. My new system of putting them all in one folder to get round to once a week seems to be working. Sorry if that's occasionally once a fortnight and, uh, and you've had to wait, but I do reply to everyone. Uh, if you email me, info at comedianscomedian.com or tweet me at comcompod. I am, as we know, a bit crap on Twitter, but I do try to get in touch with that. So thank you for all your, your kind reactions, particularly after the Aldershot show. How good is the West End Centre? I mean, every venue can learn a bit from the Westie. They are so engaged with the performer. They're so excited that they're, all the volunteer staff were kind of clamoring about the show and excited to have me back, and everyone seemed to know me, and it just really felt like a family. It's one of those, uh, one of those venues that uh, it would be great for everybody to follow their example. So um, terrific feedback on Twitter from that as well, which... Um, you know that thing about retweeting praise I mean it doesn't come up that often I'm not a big, I mean I do good work but I'm not such a big Twitter user that I, I keep an eye on it but uh, that was very that was very satisfying, it was very difficult not to retweet some of the nice things that people said about me so this is this is an email, I'm not going to say this lady's name, you'll see why when we get there I wouldn't want to uh, prejudice whatever career she may end up in but here we go, enough uh, flim flam, this is it Dear Stuart, the primary function of podcast in my life has been pleasant noise to keep me from feeling lonely whilst doing menial tasks. Your podcast has done much more. I began listening to your show, she continues, because you were talking to some of my favourite comics. I like the show immediately, not just because you're a choice of guest, but because of the approach to the subject. Blah, 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 nice stuff about Stu. Thank you. However, I kept listening for yet another reason. I thought if I listened to enough of these accounts of what it takes to make a career out of com comedy, it would convince me that I'm not made for that kind of work. These comics have some kind of magic in them that certainly isn't in me. If I listened long enough, I would surely come to accept comedy is not for me. What a relief that would be to surrender that pesky dream. 
The plan backfired spectacularly. The more I listened, the more I realised, and we're all pricking up our ears at this point. We're all going, yeah, go on, is this going where I think it is? The more I listened, she says, the more I realised the only thing holding me back from doing comedy was that I just wasn't doing it. Ah, revelation. I learned that all of the things I beat myself up about were things that most everyone struggled with. And most wondrous of all, I found the comedians whose thought processes, whose work discipline or lack thereof, and whose doubts were the most similar to my own were the comedians I idolised the most. What a lovely moment. Whether or not I have the talent has yet to be seen. Good for you for being realistic. Well done. But one thing is certain, I don't have the talent for surrender. Come on, that should go on a t-shirt. I don't have the talent for surrender. She says, I'm going to have to confront the pesky dream. I've always wanted to perform in the UK. I've set myself the goal of performing in the UK by the end of 2018. And now that I've confessed that to you, and indeed, dear listener, the entire listenership, I absolutely have to do something about it. Even if it's just one open mic night there, I'm going to do it. Now listen, I'm always fond of saying, this is me now, Again, um, I'm always fond of telling people, don't just do one, do 50. Plan 50. Smash it. Go, go for it. And because you won't, you won't be able to tell from your first one or two or three or ten, whether it's for, maybe ten, <laughs> whether it's for you or not. So go through. Aim to go through it. Don't just, don't just do one to try it. Do ten to try it. Um, so she, she finishes her email. Um, I've made a small contribution to the podcast. Wish it could be more. That's fine. I know I owe you so much more. You owe me nothing, but thanks for saying so. I hope one day I can press some cash into your hand and say something cool. Until then, <laughs> that's the noise of the, uh, the listenership driving away as I drone on about money. Um, until then, I'm just going to thank you a lot. Thanks for the podcast. Thanks for adding me to the Facebook group. I really enjoy my fellow ComComPod people. More on that in a second. Thanks for the inspiration. Thank you for the motivation. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, thank you, dear listener. I really hope you get something out of this. I really hope you do your gig. You come to the UK and you do 10 gigs and 50 gigs and more gigs. And uh, I would be so thrilled. I don't have the talent for surrender. How exciting is that? What a lovely thought. Um, just a quick thing about the, the Facebook uh, Comedians Comedian podcast group. It's a private group. I have to add you. Um, but yeah, I also have uh, 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 Podblin, who is uh, adding people on my behest. Apologies for the very occasional spammers that get through. Um, if you would like to join that, you can. it's a bit more of a sort of closed-in family affair. It's not just for spamming stuff. It's also to ask you questions. And uh, we might, when I finally get around to doing these incredible t-shirts that Polly Becker has designed for me um, then uh, we'll do pre-sales on that I just need to have two minutes to myself to work out all the, the admin for that but it's a place where I can ask your opinion on stuff I can get questions and suggestions and submissions and uh, I find it really useful and what I wanted to say was everyone has been being really good on it recently I occasionally have to wade in with my benevolent dictator boots on and kick people out of the group I can't be doing with the laborious process of explaining why um, on an individual case by case basis um, but you know, it's not for sniping at people. It's not a place to go, oh, I thought this person was shit. It, what it is, is an opportunity for the Comedians Comedian podcast community, the ComCom Podders, to, to get together and discuss stuff and uh, give each other tips and people ask questions about Edinburgh and then people answer them. And occasionally, and this is so heartening in the maddening world of uh, online discourse, occasionally people... Did I just use the word heartening? Heartening is not a word. Encouraging is a word. Fine. It's so encouraging to see when people occasionally disagree with one another 
they take the time to investigate each other's opinions and then climb down and not have an argument. So thank you for everyone, uh, thank you to everyone who's been involved in that. Um, and thank you to that listener. As I've said, I've redacted her name simply in the hope that she goes on to become huge and doesn't labour uh, for the first few months of her comedy practice under people around her other acts going, oh, you're that one. It's nice to have a little anonymity when you start, I think. So uh, join the fan page, uh, join the, the, the comedians, comedian group. You can click like on my own comedian's uh, uh, fan page, Stuart Goldsmith Comedian. If you'd like to be kept abreast in a slightly more intimate manner of, uh, of what I'm up to, uh, that's really useful. I'm on nearly 3,000 likes on that, which is sort of trifling and yet very important to me. So uh, do join in on that. Email me info at comedianscomedian.com. Tweet me at comcompod. I'll have a brief chat with you at the end after the second half of this conversation with the mighty Auntie Donna. <laughs> So let's talk about who you are as a as a threesome on stage and the roles that you that you play because I I found like I was watching three clowns who are very aware of your place in the relationship and yet at the same time it's not it's like normally you'd kind of describe something like that based on the status you know the kind of the Piero and the Augusta and what have you, you know the one that gets slapped and the rest of it I, I found like I was I, among my notes from your show I was like okay you've got the dirty wanking sex monkey <laughs> you've got you've got the the octopus version of Jason Statham <laughs> and then the kind of wild-eyed child. Yeah. How did you find those characters? Does that, does that, do those make sense to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, they, good. Yeah. that's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I want you to please email me that. I'm going to put on some business cards. I really, I really liked that. So what is the like what are the what are the connections between those clowns if you like or those voices on stage and how does it change when there's two of you to when there's three of you on stage for any particular sketch? Yeah, well, I, yeah I think I think what's really interesting is quite by accident, um, you know, there's a lot of luck involved in sketch group dynamics and sometimes you see a sketch group that's starting out and it's like it's such a shame that it's that five or it's that four. And I think we were really lucky at the start because the four of us had a really even balance. So we, we made that scale. I remember you Yeah, made that I remember scale. I realised once. Yeah, we, we had a scale in terms of how it all sat and it was a straight line. Yeah, and I, I had this realisation that we were a square and there was a corner of every square. You had um, sort of serious to silly, or, or it was almost... It was. I can't. Well, remember I remember it was. as it a straight yeah. line, and it was. You had Adrian on on one extreme end, the fourth guy who was like the ultimate straight man, right? On the other end of the scale, you had Zach, who was the ultimate silly boy, um, and then you had Mark on this side of the Zach scale, and Broden on this side of the Adrian scale, and it just. And then it worked. We you you could find a balance, like you could have a Broden and Adrian sketch with kind of two straight men which was a huge part of what we were when we started because Adrian and uh, Broden went to high school together they wrote together um, uh, so you'd have that kind of thing and then you could have two fuckheads doing stuff <laughs> together and then you could take a fuckhead put it, with a, put it with a straight man you could mix it up that way so when Adrian left we didn't know what we were anymore like it was just it was a bit of a crisis it was yeah. a big crisis and, moment and I think the, the big thing for us is I had seen, we looked at trios, we were like, what, what are other trios? And, 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 and almost every trio I looked at had two straight guys, one fucked guy. And we were there with 
two fucked guys, one straight guy. These are all technical terms from the <laughs> Philippe, from the Philippe Gaulier clown school. <laughs> um, and 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 you know a straight guy that you described him as a Jason Statham octopus that was at his best when you he know was silly. when he yeah. was silly. So what is that dynamic? So we had to really. It took us a couple of years, I think, of really thinking about what that dynamic is and, and, and I remember we had big conversations about how are me and Mark different and then it hit a point that we finally worked it out and then Mark and Broden were too similar so then we had to split them apart, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's, it's something we still like stuff with and play with. Also because like we, we do sketch and there's a lot of times where you're just playing other characters so it's hard to pin down exactly but we, we just finished writing a pilot in Australia for a, for a, for a network and... Uh, we, we wrote this pilot for like three months and we sat with these character breakdowns and we worked with script consultants on writing. So we just really heavily broke down these three characters and that's why it's so heavily in our show this year is because, uh, yeah, it's, it's so deep in us now that like... Mm. And, and also, you also, I think the more fan base you get, the more you see what they respond to and you sort of move to that as well. So the audience likes when I get real bloody... I'm like... And, 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 and they like when Mark gets real dark and, and gritty and they like when Zach gets... Starts bleeding from his mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Monkey wanking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, a bit of, a bit of all of that, I'd say. Yeah. Do you find yourself, like you, you said there about people, like the audience really like it when you do a particular thing. Mm. Like I notice there's often a kind of a parental status. Like you've got the kind mm. of, you're the dad and mm. you're kind of the mum. <laughs> do you know what I mean? There's that, like, and the two of you, if one of you is being a mum, the other two will quite quickly, f- and I don't, I don't just mean this because you are a mum in the sketch yeah, yeah. in this year's show, but throughout a lot of your online content that I've seen, there is a sense of, oh, mum. Do you know what I mean? That, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that you assume the kind of childlike there's a sort of child-parent dynamic that comes out of somewhere. Do you need to watch yourself? Do you need to kind of go, oh, we're falling into that again? And if that does happen, do you pursue it and think, oh, well, I guess we're, we're listening to the audience and that's what they want? Or do you find yourself thinking, we've done quite a lot of parent-child sketches. We've got to break it up more. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think, I think um, we... We, we're constantly striving to mix it up because we're self-taught as writers. You know, we're, we're, we're performers, but we're self-taught as writers and, and devisers and comedians. Um, it's very easy to get caught in traps to find, oh, this works, you know. Escalation was one thing we did for three years straight where we'd take a really normal idea and just escalate it, escalate it, escalate it. We're kind of known for that in a lot of ways. Another thing we were, that was pointed out to us is that we did a lot of sketches that would be travelling along and then a shift to darkness. And you, you find these things when you're self-taught, you just go, oh, that works, I'm going to do that again and I'm going to do that again. So it is something you have to be conscious about is not being repetitive and not not falling into traps, but I think that's a very common yeah, thing. Yeah, and I, th- I think that was happening a lot uh, to us because we were writing our shows in a bubble. Um, uh, like with with stand up, we were finding that with stand ups, you know, they could get their material, they could go out every single night and trial it in front of audiences at all the you know the myriad of rooms that you have here. But we couldn't really do that because it took so long for us to get something up before we could get it in front of people or before we felt comfortable getting it in front of people. So um, we started doing a thing a couple of years ago where we would just spend a week writing. And whatever we wrote that week, we'd perform it that night or like at the end of the week at like Saturday night and then we'd do it again and then we'd do it again and we'd just get every single idea up and see how it went, which is brutal. 
and uh, is what pretty much caused Adrian yeah. to leave. It yeah. broke him. <laughs> it broke him. Yeah, we pushed ourselves really hard into like nervous breakdowns, and and, and it was really good like, was that, was, <laughs> for the show. And was that working with Sam directing? Yeah, those yeah, stuff. Yeah. So Sam is here. So let's welcome Sam up to the stage, ladies hey. and gentlemen. Hey. Uh, an additional six. The chair is in there. Sam isn't in there. Sam's over here. Welcome, Sam. Hey, man. Hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me. Hi, hey, I'm hey, Sam. Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> so, how you doing? <laughs> yeah, we can see the dynamic there who Sam is closest to. Just some great physical comedy. We're, yeah. just, uh, we're so in sync. <laughs> so talk to us about that, that part of the process of when the guys are uh, putting themselves through or you're putting them through. Okay, get all this stuff that you've written. Get it up there. Get it performed. Talk to, talk to us about how, how, you, how that works, what your role is in it. Uh, it's it's kind of changed over the years. I think the first time we did it, I found it really difficult because I'd kind of be like, I want to experiment with this. And they're like, we've got to do a show tonight. Like, stop talking. We have to rehearse and, and do the show. Um, but I think now it's it's kind of, of of making sure everyone's okay and everyone's able to go out and create and get work done and then, and then sort of doing the stuff I want to do as well and finding a balance within that. And then... Uh, it's, it's mainly the other thing as well is these guys are very good directors in their own right. So I'm not sort of going, do this, do this, do that. It's kind of like, how can we get everyone to be firing on all cylinders and working together towards it, the same it, goal? It really is like so collaborative. Like there is no one sketch that has been written by any one person. And there's no one thing that's been like sort of directed by one person. It's it's so collaborative in that in that sense. I think. And are yeah. you are you contributing to the writing as well, Sam? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And are the other two members writing as well, or is? Uh, well, I mean, I th- what Tom does is is uh, Tom who does all our music. That's a huge component of the writing. Was, was Tom the drummy boy that was? Yeah, on stage? yeah, so I'm a drum Tom. boy. Okay. Yeah, that's Tom, and it's uh, and we experimented with having him on stage many many years ago, and and this was the first time we actually finally got to do it. Every year it was like, wouldn't that be a cool idea? And then this was the first year we actually had like the money and the means and the kind of right venues and stuff to to do it. Which was cool. And when you ritually bully Tom on stage, and then about 40 minutes in, he gets to do one tiny thing, and the night I saw you, he got a standing ovation. <laughs> was, is that, does that happen every night? No. Was that really the first time that happened? First and only. Yeah. Do you know, I think, I think there was a couple of reviews that... Um, couple. <laughs> that commented on that standing ovation. So most of them were like, that was a really special moment, but a couple of them thought it was an in-joke, thought that the audience knew Tom from online, which wasn't the case. And I think it, it's just like thrown us all that tiniest little bit... So I don't think we like play to that standing ovation, but it, it never was that anyway. I really, it was so magical to feel the audience decide that screw you guys, we're going for Tom. It's almost <laughs> like he, you've slapped him so many times; he's been the lowest status one so many times. Yeah. It was really fun to feel part of that. People were standing and just going. Nuts. It was great, and a lot, some some reviews really g- understood what happened and understood that we were as blown away by that. You know, as as um, as everyone else in the room was, other reviewers were not as kind. <laughs> <laughs> but it 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 was a really it, it, that it. I remember that thing. It was like as he was going on stage. You know, he he performs in a band, so he's performed live quite a bit. He studied acting, as we say in the show. But we, I remember saying to him, I was like, if things go wrong. We're going to give you a lot of shit about it. We're going to tease you about it. Just a heads up. We're not mad. It's just like the way it works. But it was a very important conversation to have, I think. Yeah. 
And would you ever, uh, Sam, would you ever set foot on the stage? Uh, I'm going to say no. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Really, because your body language suggests you've... <laughs> <laughs> I think, I, think I, I, also, I also trained as an actor, but I think the more I sort of go on with, with making stuff, what I really get a kick out is, of is writing and being in the room and creating stuff. That's, that's you know, what I like. And so do you have to bring an equal part in order to get your sixth of the sweet... The, the enormous proceeds <laughs> from, for example, the merch. Do you have to, do you have to, because obviously we talked a lot about it being collaborative, but to what extent are there things, are there moments when you take control and go, actually, I'm directing this and we need a final decision? Um, uh, yeah, yeah, it, it depends. I think what another thing that's happened over the years is, is wherever it is most passionate, I think, tends to drive whatever's happening. So there are certain moments where you go, Hey, I think we need to do this, but uh, sometimes putting your foot down isn't the best way to get something done. You know, that just puts up walls and, and there's division and dividing and stuff. It might be kind of going, hey, we have five minutes. Let's all work out how we're going to do this together. Uh, so that's, that's probably more the thing I'm about is, is how is it going to happen at the end of the day? You know, what yeah. do we all need to do together to make this occur? Yeah, you have to check yourself sometimes when you're, when you're doing that. You have to go, am I having this argument to win? Or am I having this argument to make the joke the best joke that it is? And, and you have to really... And that's a hard thing to do in the conversation, you know what I mean? That's a hard thing to be checking yourself while you're having that conversation. And that's just a balancing act, you know? Yeah, that's something I learned from all these guys very early on. I, I, I confidently say that I wasn't a creative person before I started working in the group. I'd never written anything before. I was very much wanted to be a Shakespearean actor and that was it. And, uh, and had to learn how to be creative while doing this group. And... I learned from Sam, I think particularly, but also the other guys, is rational thought and a real calm approach to creativity is humongously important. And it's the only way we get anything done is by, yeah, never arguing for the sake of arguing, but arguing or like talking through things. And the only way to ever get to an end point is to try everything. If like, and yeah. And that's, that's why the test shows are great as well, because... You can just sort of go, there's, there's times where you have a gut feeling where if you're a stand-up, you can go, that's a gut feeling, I'm going to do it and see if it works. Um, but sometimes you have to back a gut feeling when there's f- three other people in the room. You, you have this gut idea, this might be funny. Um, and before the test shows, if, if you weren't confident in that idea, you weren't going to fight for it, so it might go. And, and I think we can all say this with the test shows, that you can go, look, I like this idea, can we just put it in front of people? And then once it's in front of people, you go, all right, yes, this is something I'm really passionate about. And that's how you avoid falling into traps, I think. Or equally with that, you go... No, I was wrong. It doesn't work <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, at all. Because so, yeah. like, no, no, no one wants to get, fight for a joke, get in front of people, have no one laugh, and then go back and go, no, it's the right way to go. Like, no, one, no one's going to do that, you know? You it's might like, go, can I have one more test show? Yeah, 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 give me one more try. And then if it's not working, it's, you know, it's got to go. Sam, you were talking earlier on about the limitations of the theatrical form now. And it was something I was thinking whilst watching a lot of your online stuff where the, the edits are so fast and you have the ability, you do some beautiful edits. Uh, it's, it's almost like a, a favourite trick of Max edits. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
to cut off the last line, cut halfway through the final line of a sketch because we know what it is and we're already out, which is wonderfully kinetic to watch and feels so fresh and sort of exciting. Um, you were talking about the, the limitations. I mean, presumably, once you get used to the fact that you can create a piece online, cut out of it, suddenly be wearing a different hat, suddenly be wearing a monocle, you know, um, that you're, I mean, a monocle's a bad example. It's quite easy to do on stage. But what, what limitations are there? Is that, is that what's happening at the moment that you're finding the stage can be frustrating? Uh, yeah, I think, for me, a, a bit sketch on both YouTube and live shows because it's our sixth show and we've got like probably 80, maybe 100 videos online. It's every, every single sketch you do sits in relation to the one you did before. So it's like we can't repeat that one again, so we've got to do it differently again. But it's the same three characters. It's the same voice. You know, it's the same uh, tools you have. So it's like how can we make each sort of sketch different? Uh, so, so that's a, a real challenge and a real hurdle I think we have coming up for us is how to you know, keep YouTube going, keeping that interesting and Whilst at the same time keeping enough consistency that you're still because that you know you have created a thing and you can't throw it out every week. Yeah, because no. it's all it's all time. It's all like we we are always just trying so hard to find the right amount of time to put into. We don't want to do a web series if we have to, if we've got two days to write it. You know, it's like we need a month. We need a month to write like ten sketches, and that's minimum. And we won't like if we can't give it that time and that energy, then we'd, we'd rather not do it, you know. But sometimes it's just really hard to find that time, you know. So let's talk about the TV pilot. Um, which one? Now, which one? The one, <laughs> the one with the house on fire at the beginning. Oh yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. The one that didn't get picked up. The one that didn't get. <laughs> wow! Now we're into some classic comedians, comedian territory. What? <laughs> Because I loved it, and it's just another example of, oh, for fuck's sake, this can't get picked up? Like, were you you. satisfied with it? Were you uh, happy with that show? Nah. No. No? Nah. To be, like, it was, we we, we went in really confident. We put up a lot of post-its. (laughs) Um, <laughs> but uh, it, it, like it, we didn't know how to write narrative, and with something we're just becoming okay with now, we've never really done narrative, and it yeah. was it was us trying to write narrative. Really proud of it. it was the it was the execution of a group of people who work together, and and their shorthand it was definitely that. But it was definitely also our first ever long form narrative, and. Having seen the one we've just done now, I'm wrapped that we had that opportunity. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad we made the pilot. I'm also glad we didn't get the series. Uh, you know, okay. I'm really glad that we have that. You know, you look at there was that tradition in England uh, back back in the day, like where I feel like people would have one successful Edinburgh and then they'd get four TV series. Sure, <laughs> you know, they'd get a TV show. Yeah, the you're the year. Montreal Comedy Festival. Like, yeah, Tim yeah. Allen is the famous one. He did a five minute set, bang, twenty three episodes of. Uh, yeah, exactly, and yeah. and. And you look at some of those shows, and those are the shows I grew up watching, and, and they have a rawness to them, and they have a they have a um, they have a freshness to them, and you go, and then you look back, and you go, yeah, there were structural problems, there were character problems, there were all these problems with it, but it had something, and and I didn't care about that when I was thirteen. I just loved that it was funny, so I think the pilot has that energy, which I'm really proud of, but also. 
the series would have had that energy and it would have become tiresome. So I think I'm glad we've captured that point in our careers, but I'm also glad that for the series we've got a bit more, a few more skills behind us. It, it was interesting. I, w- one of the things I loved about it was, and is, is it available? I, I have found a nefarious uh, secret link to it. The link, <laughs> the link does not appear to be private, so it could become available. It yeah. could be leaked. Do you, do you own it? Without naming the network... Who commissioned it? We got told off for putting it up, so we had to take it down. It was it oh, okay. sucked. It sucked. We put it online uh, because we thought we were allowed to, and it was getting this really great response. Like it hit Reddit. It was on the front page of the video subreddit. It was like it climbing. It was on number five. It was getting to like number four. It had something like about like fifty five thousand hits, and then we just got this email. It went. We went take it off right now. Uh, they were very because, polite about it. It was yeah. our misunderstanding. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, but they, yeah, it was. It's a bit. I don't like talking about oh, it. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Because <laughs> no, I, I, what I loved about that show was the moments where it devolved into chaos. Yeah. You do chaos so well. The, the, the moments when you're in, a, in the cafe arguing over the bill and it's the monocle moment of going, uh, oh, this is, uh, oh, someone's a bit fancy. And yeah, then you, yeah, yeah. seconds later, the three of you are wearing top hats in like a hall and it, you're pulling, I mean, it's this limited value of me talking about it because it's frustrating and none of you can watch watch it but it's a shame although if you can find it i'm sure everyone else can find well, it who knows? <laughs> but some of the some of the chaos of that you do chaos incredibly well we're a bunch of white boys and we started doing this when we were 20 and we're idiots and the people that we were around we just went oh let's do this together because we like doing it mm. and now we're guys almost about to hit 30 who are all white and men and uh we have this fan base and we go well, what can we say that is in what that people want to hear or what's important for us to say. There's more important voices out there. And what we find in our fan base is that I, the people who watch me are me when I was at uni, they're me when I was in year nine. Mm. And what I can be, because there's a lot of voices that aren't like this, we can be a voice that is not bigoted and, and, and not misogynist and doesn't just go for the quick, easy joke. We can be a group that is naughty and, and acts like, like teenagers, but we do it like in a way that we're proud of. Yeah. Mm. And uh, so we love being naughty. We love that idea. And the idea also we can be a group that's men who don't act the way or we make fun of the way that young men are supposed to act as well. So, but like, and naughtiness is just the best in the world. We want to be people who act up and, and misbehave in the same way that Python did and the same way that young ones did. And uh, yeah. I've run out of things. No, but no, just but on that, yeah, that, that idea that for an hour, if you know, if they're watching us for an hour, that's an hour they're not watching. There's some pretty rotten stuff on the internet, you know? <laughs> and for that hour, yeah. they're not watching that, you know? And, and that's the... When, when you're nothing but silly, you have to... And that's your life. Yeah. That's your job is to do silly. Sometimes you have to question, like, why am I doing this? What's the value of this? What am I adding to society? It's like, maybe what we're adding is... We're filling space with neutral. <laughs> yeah, you know. So that's a that's an hour that they're not spending on, uh, you know, new new. I'm like more on the Guardian, reading about the problems in the world. Anyway. Yeah, like well, that's what they'd be doing. So. All, <laughs> oh, no more Auntie Donna this week. I'm going to learn about Syria. We've, we've, <laughs> we've always been like this. There was so much, especially in sketch when we started. There was so much sketch that uh, made you made you laugh with your brain like it was like all clever and witty and punny and it's subtle and nuanced and we just wanted to make people laugh from here 
and just from there, Mark just pointed to Mark his belly. Mark is touching like, his head. Sorry. <laughs> oh, confusing. No, it was his belly. My tummy. Uh, just gut. Just gut. Funny. Just stupid and absurd and like. And we, I think we spoke about that, and we spoke about you know, is that enough? It, does does comedy sort of have to say something to be relevant and be worthwhile? And uh, I think critically, a lot of the times we're either we're either praised or chastised for that because people are like, it's just loud and big and dumb, and so forget about it. You know, go go see someone who's going to make you think. But other people are like, I love that it just made me laugh, and that's. That's just what it did, you know? I don't know. And I like that. I like stuff like that. And yeah. I'm really yeah. proud that we've been able to, to, to make stuff like that. Yeah. What do you foresee down the line? Assuming you all stay together and the obvious one doesn't become famous and leave. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, that's dark. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, oh, yes. I've done this before. <laughs> um what where do you see where do you see it going i mean you're 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 producing of a, like i said huge stuff you said 100 videos online you're you're producing stuff there you've got the patreon you've got the podcast you're kind of you know doing pilots and stuff you're trying to you're you're putting as many fingers in as many pies as possible i immediately regret that analogy but um tentacles in broden's case um <laughs> But where do you see it go? What is the dream scenario? Ten years or twenty years? It's funny because we just had an AGM. Where we oh, you have AGM? Yes. Yeah, great. Okay, well, let's give us a window into the AGM. But do you know, just on that, we just had an AGM, and me and Broden. So we had it at the start of the comedy festival. Me and Broden two days ago just had a conversation about how we need another AGM post comedy festival. So um, that's just a sorry. Just thanks so you know. for involving me. <laughs> Uh, I would say in answer that short term is Donna like let's see if we can get as much cool stuff happening around the world as possible you know touring we're going to the States later this month we want to get the TV series up and running and then just I think long term as creatives we want to be able to have the ability to make whatever we want to make whenever we want to make it whoever we want to make it with pretty much so we're at a point now and I was speaking to someone who's nominated for an award at the moment is it's, it's hard to go am I, am I at the peak or is it about to all just drop off now, or are we gonna are we gonna keep going up? And it's 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 hard to it's hard to it. You don't know what, you don't know if you should just be enjoying yourself, or you should be working as hard as you can possibly right now. Yeah, that's where I find myself at at the moment. Like we've, <laughs> having a, we've had a great run here, and like we're doing this great tour around the US. And it's like, should I just be enjoying that, or should this be when the real fucking work starts? Yeah, you know, like I had a gr- I had this conversation with this guy. You know, I'd never met him before, and uh, it was just at a bar. And um, my girlfriend introduced me to him. It was like, oh, hi, this is whoever his name is. I was like, oh, hi. He's like, oh, what do you do? I'm like, oh, I'm a comedian here. He's like, oh, what's your, what, are you, what are you called and what's your name or whatever? I'm, like, I'm in a group called Auntie Donna. He's like, oh, yeah, Auntie Donna, I've heard of you guys. You guys are really plateauing at the moment, <laughs> hey? <laughs> I was like, that's the second thing you've said to me. That is brutal. <laughs> Each to their own, I suppose. <laughs> it, it, yeah, I think it's that thing. It, it, right now, we're, we've always pushed ourselves. And right now, we're in a really cool place in Australia. But there is an element that I, I feel like we're still bound by the three faces. You know, Auntie Donna is the three faces. You know, Auntie Donna is a particular style of comedy. And I think in the next 10 years, I'd love to see how much we can expand it. Can, can something be Auntie Donna 
and not feature any of us? Can something be Auntie Donna? What, on what platforms can it be Auntie Donna? You know, like how, how, how much can that be driven by our own creative sort of yeah. sense? And, you know, we'd, I don't know. We'd love if, and we don't exactly know how to do this, but we'd love if in like 10, 20 years, if this is, a, if this is still a thing, we would love to be able to uh, uh, see comics that we love that need, uh, you know, like a, a hand and be able to help them turn turn them into something great, you know, like whether it be um, through like initiatives like Fresh Blood and stuff, you know, like work with other comics to try and get TV series happening with them, for them, with their voice. And, you know, hopefully we've been doing it for a little while so we can sort of have, you know, some sort of positive input into that. That would be great long, long time. Auntie, D- Auntie Donna's Academy of Comedic <laughs> Art and Shakespeare. We did it. We were in New York the other day. We did a show at UCB and we're just going, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it was like, no, that's a lot of, that's a lot of insurance bullshit. <laughs> yeah. So any questions from the audience? Would anyone like to answer? If no one does, I have plenty oh, of questions. No. questions. Are there any artists that you hope to work with that you haven't yet? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. There's an element where, like, the artists that really inspire me, for me at least, there's a part of me that doesn't want to work with them, that wants to leave them as this inspirational figure. How can I be that? You know, as soon as you work with someone, you go, oh, that's how you did it. <laughs> you know? And yeah. So th- there are people I definitely want to work with, but it's more my contemporaries than it is my heroes, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think there's such a strong live comedy scene in Australia and so many people that really excite me that I want to work with, but there's just so many and so many projects. So it's like, what thing to do with with who, you know? Part of me wanting a TV show is that I can put everyone I've ever loved in it in in cameos and stuff like that. Yeah. I'd love to to just by scene, I'd love to have, you know, if we ever get a TV show, just make... Colin Lane and Frank Woodley have to be in a scene together. Like, I'd love that. Just, yeah, like, um, yeah. yeah, yeah, but yeah, like, yeah. It definitely, I can tell. Like, there's people like uh, Aaron Chen and and Xavier Michalides. Is that how you say it? Is it Michalides? So, yeah. Like um, Ben Russell, Demi Lardner. They're they're all people that we just think are so funny and and love to work with. And we're just yeah, we want to get this TV series so we can just fucking work with our friends who we think are so funny and so you know. where, where is with this TV series you've made the, you've made the pilot you shot the pilot mm-hmm. yep yep. and what happens next has it been released yet or is it coming out it, What's, where's the situation uh, weird, it's weird <laughs> it's weird it's, I think has it's it been a- leaked yet I've got, I've got, a, I've got a back channel <laughs> um, but it is that thing I, this current pilot we wrote the three of our characters are in this in this pilot but there's three characters almost directly sort of supporting them that have like quite a bit of substance and we want to have a fourth character as well in the next episode and we really enjoy when in our last pilot we had a character called Patsy and we enjoyed writing that character more than our own characters so now we're hoping to have four other characters so just that idea of can this series almost move away from the three of us and be bigger than us and, and get a couple more members in Auntie Dawn <laughs> yeah, make, yeah, yeah, make yeah, bigger yeah. decisions we, slower yeah. yeah we really want it to be like an ensemble show you know yeah very much so so it's just yeah like we're the sort of core in the center but then there's like you know it, we are the least funny thing in the pilot like genuinely the the three other characters around us are so funny they're great great um actors uh amazing amazing people and um, we're really lucky to have 
been the, able to work Yeah, there with was them. one particular scene with, with two of them in a car just chatting, riffing off each other, and I was just like, I want to make that a whole web series. I just want to take that and, and us maybe be in the background a couple of times. Yeah. I don't know how our audience would react to that. It's like, hey, ten weeks of not us in something. <laughs> well, it just it puts me in mind of uh, uh, Broden appearing in a sombrero in the background of that <laughs> video. In, it's like in the, there's a picnic, con- you know, what, what would you do to her? That one? Um, Is it there's like a barbecue going on? If I was single. If I was single, that's the one. And at the very end, Broden just turns up. He's not been in the sketch at all. He's just wearing a sombrero in the background, just pops in like that. (laughs) Could you do that with all of you in the background (laughs) of an existing... That'd be great. Yeah, that's like that's like two hours call on show. Yeah, that's all we want. <laughs> Maybe there. Don't want to be on set for too long. We may have uh, we may have time for one more really good quality question. That is a, a bold question from a, a white man who didn't put his hand up. <laughs> <laughs> have you? Uh, <laughs> have you ever? I just need to repeat it for the sake of the recording. Um, uh, I uh, bold no. Um, <laughs> Uh, have you ever been accused of misogyny in in terms of being three men? We we had a journalist ask us once, but they never sort of followed through with it in any sort of. You know, what did respect. that journalist look like? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are we are you know three white men, um, six six white men, um, and that happened not consciously. It happened when we were when we were twenty two years old. We just formed a group with some friends. Um, and, and I think from really, really, really early on, we've been aware of those limitations and we've been aware of, of, uh, that privilege, I suppose. And, and we've been very conscious not to step into territories that we shouldn't be stepping into. Um, not to say, you know, but, but I think we've, we've always tried to be quite conscious of that. And, and the three characters I'm talking about, I mean, this is possibly, you know, that they're female characters. We, we try to... We try to do everything we can to offset this sort of thing, but there's nothing we That's can do. That's interesting you should talk about offsetting because necessarily lots of your characters are extreme or grotesque. Yeah. So it's difficult for you to do a sensitive female character. <laughs> and if you pull that off on stage, then if you do it the next time, we're like, we've already done well, that. Well, we, we're more interested in doing just funny characters. You know, like, like, uh, that's what I really, I'm really proud of Chaperones. That, that's the name of the show, the pilot that we did. That it, there's the three of us and then the three other main characters are all female characters. But we never approached it with the idea that they had to be women. You could technically cast men in that role and it's not going to change the plot or the outcome or anything. That we just wanted the funniest people that, that we could find and we wanted it to be women because we wanted it to be 50-50. That was really important to us. And they're just, they're just funny and I'm really proud of that. I'm really proud that we wrote funny characters for funny actors. And, you know, them, them being women is, is important but it's not sort of... I don't know. Do you, do you understand what I'm? I'm kind of, I don't even know what I'm trying to get at. <laughs> but it's not like uh, we didn't write female characters. No, we wrote funny characters, and we try not to write male characters either. Particularly, you know, like we try not to. I, I think we just try to avoid that area. I think that you can either go in and be really woke, um, or you can just sort of let other people fight that fight and. <laughs> great, no, great react. Let the record state for the benefit of the listener on the word woke. Uh, <laughs> Sam really laughed up his sleeve. As you can everyone see. else just took it completely without comment. They're like, yeah, I guess that's how we all talk now. Yeah. Um, as you can see, we're very uncomfortable with this question. No, it, it's it's it, it genuinely it 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 
it's it's what we were t- touched on earlier is just let's let other people be nasty let's uh, let other people fight the fight let's let other people and let's just be a positive force in the cor- in our little corner i think so know? my final question because i'm afraid we have run out of time thank you very much for coming on the show uh, my final question is, particularly with so many of you, and particularly given the creative relationship you've described, which has not included in that description any real sense of friction between you, how do you do it? How do you stay happy with one another and positive and in such a large number? Why aren't you at each other's throats, you pricks? In, fr- <laughs> in front of you. Um. <laughs> Yeah, because we, we were briefly speaking before the show and saying, "Give us, give me the dirt." I, like it's, we fight, but we do pretty well considering. Like, I, I like, I, I can't answer why I think, uh, just surrounded by a lot of very rational-minded people, not me being one of them. Uh, I don't know if you guys have anything on that. Uh, yeah, we fight. I think you, you, there's a point where you go. You know, where we were a group of friends who got together and and made comedy. And then there's a point where you're like, oh, this is my full-time job and I need to make sure when I have an argument about something, it's not... It's not an argument with a friend. It's an argument with a coworker, And you just have to take that shift. You have to create that shift in your mind. Um, and that is a big shift to make. But I think when you don't is when it gets... And you, I've seen other groups fall apart because of it. And I think we've just... We try to... Cr- keep those relationships as professional as possible so that we can have fun when we're on stage when we're on yeah i think i think that's the thing for me is we have to like if we're all doing something together we all have to get along you can't not get along so uh i think we sort of realized that maybe two or three years in we sort of went through a a a bit of a friction period around when adrian left went through a lot of stuff after that and it was kind of after that we're like uh, no, I, I personally went through a lot of stuff trying to get uh, better and, and working group dynamic and stuff like that. But after that, I was like, no, you just have to get along. You have to be you know, friends with these people and you have to have a good working relationship. And once you set that, you just do it. The other thing is, is none of us are good enough to like do it our own. Like, in there, <laughs> no, uh, none yeah. of us go, oh, fuck you, I'm out. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. You're way too scared to do that. <laughs> But just being aware that we're not the we are not, not the sum no we are the sum of I don't know yeah there's a sum and <laughs> like your awareness sum. really is crucial <laughs> you also just have to understand and you have to fucking apologize as well you know like if you feel like you've been shitty you've just got to say sorry and 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 be able to to do that that's really important as well you know being able to admit when you're wrong or or, or that kind of thing and we're all pretty good at that yeah. we're all we're all pretty good at being like. No, I was being a dick then, and and, <laughs> yeah. and I'm sorry. And, I, and just stepping out of the room, you know, just sometimes there are times where you, you're working on something and it's not even an argument, it's just, oh, this, this, and you go, you know what, I'm going to go make a cup of tea and then let's talk about something else in five minutes, you know? Like, you just sort of, you just step yeah. out, you just step out of those situations and remember that it is all for fast it's, jokes. Yes, <laughs> it's all about stupid jokes that don't matter. Like, it doesn't fucking matter, you know? And on that note, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> men's rights. So, no, no, oh, oh no, God, oh, no, oh, shit, oh! shit. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, please join me in thanking Auntie Donna. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. 
So that was Auntie Donna. Thank you to everyone uh, who came along to that show live, uh, including, but not limited to, uh, Patrick from Brunswick Library and Mary Apostopoulos and loads of other people locally who came along. Thank you to Auntie Donna, of course, and their management and everyone that helped put that together and everyone that was so helpful and wonderful to me and to my family uh, during that whole Australian trip. It really was very exciting. Um, we we uh, owe an enormous debt of gratitude to Beck Sutherland Katie Minchin uh, to Mel Velisaris to Tom Webster to Chris Casapi um, to all the people that helped me book guests to uh, Bree Kirby to uh, Erin Zed uh, whose name I can't remember many apologies um, and uh, and people from various agencies in Australia and uh, all the people that we hung out with and Dill and the little Dum Dum Club if you're a, if you're a fan of Australians uh, firebombing one another in a very funny way check out my appearance on the little Dum Dum Club podcast that's an absolute winner um, thanks to Luke Heggie and Nick Cody thanks to all the people I interviewed the episodes of which are yet to go out Tom Ballard Anne Edmonds Orlando Baxter Ivan Aristagia you're going to love that one, man. What a, what a, what a comic mind that guy has. Um, and also, who was the magical fifth person? Is that everyone? Ivan, Anne, Orlando, uh, uh, Tom. There was someone else. I can't remember. How awful. But I'm sure it was a great episode. Um, oh, oh, Reese. Oh, my God. Reese Nicholson. What a, yeah, blinder. Great. Oh, very pleased to remember that in the nick of time. Lots of these people are coming to Edinburgh, so look out for them there also. Um, and uh, and thank you to all the ComCom listeners, both comedians and civilians alike, who, who looked after us, including, but not limited to, David McDonald, Joel Clapham, uh, Rebecca and Simon, everyone that, uh, that just kind of rallied round and, and just were super nice and hospitable to us, and, uh, and everyone that looked after us along the way. Also, to the, uh, the stewardesses of the first leg of the journey on Air Qatar. Um, no, it's called Qatar Air, isn't it? Because uh, Pierre Hollins has a lovely joke about Air Qatar. But uh, there we are. Uh, I will put on the next mailing list, the next mail shot, I will put a little video of the state I was in halfway through the 30-hour return flight with the little Boutros, who was, I mean, just golden, but still challenging. So I'll chuck that on the next mail out, which will have details of the forthcoming Edinburgh show, uh, entitled Like I Mean It, and all the other bits and bobs. Now, listen, no postamble today. Oh, you can join that. You can join the mailing list on the website. You know how to do that. Uh, Comedianscomedian.com, of course. Thank you for your donations. Thank you to everyone who has a regular recurring donation set up for, may I suggest, £2, uh, or has done a one-off donation for, may I suggest, a tenner, 20 quid, 50 quid, or even a million pounds. Thank you. You are the only income that I make from this podcast, apart from the extremely infrequent advert. I must go, though, because I've got to go and do a show uh, here at the Royal and Derngate in Northampton. Very excited about it. It's not sold out, but that's because the room's massive. I think we've done 100 tickets here, which is great, and I think that's uh, that's a significant increase on last time. I think probably one of the most exciting bits of the tour was in Crawley, where someone said they came back from... They saw the show last time, and this time they came back with ten friends. Now, that is a vote of confidence, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I have, as you can possibly hear, I'm a little bit poorly. I've slightly lost my voice. I'm doing two hours-ish tonight. I'm doing two hours-ish tomorrow in Cambridge. Sold out. Boom. And I'm doing uh, an hour in Sheffield. And then it's my stag. And the stag has been planned. You know I'm getting married this year. Very soon. Um, The stag is a very exciting thing. 
Uh, I'm not going to go into detail. Oh, suffice to say that we've deliberately chosen a big place away from the town. We're not going to go and ruin... Do you know what I mean? That's the worst kind of stag, is it, of oppressive pack of men. When men devolve and get into pack formation. And um, so we're not near any outsiders. We're not going to ruin anyone's night or weekend. Um, and there was a little Facebook group. And then the, one of my co-best men sent me a text today saying that he had kicked me from the Facebook group so that they could talk about me. And I wrote out, I typed on my phone, I texted and then deleted without sending something like, oh God, don't do anything awful because of the social pressure of like, hey, these are my friends, they're cool. They're not going to do anything awful. Of course they're not. And I know that you'll be listening to this going, but they're not like that and they know I'm not like that. So I felt it would break some sort of pact of friendship if I were to text, hey, don't do anything awful because one has to assume that they're not going to. And not to assume that, to publicly go, maybe you'll do something awful. Is a, it's a, that's a bit of a move, right? That might make them do something awful. I hope they don't hear this until it's over. Oh, God. Um, I'm sure I will be in one place, and I'll talk to you soon. But for now, uh, water, a banana, uh, and uh, my usual vigorous routine of uh, press-ups and self-loathing <laughs> before each show. Uh, thank you for listening. It's great to be back. Um, I, uh, I've got some really good episodes lined up for you, and I've got some very, very exciting guests on the horizon, uh, booked, uh, booked in the, uh, in the, the sense of, uh, you know, booked, uh, but not yet in the can, so I, I never like to reveal them. I occasionally tell the Facebook group, you know, on the mailing list or something, you know, the little secret back channels, but um, lots of exciting stuff to come. Right, here we go then. Dun, 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 dun. dun.